and welcome to the Dementia Podcast. I'm Colm Cunningham. I'm with the Dementia Centre's podcast team. I'm really delighted to welcome you today. You're listening to a podcast that will focus on the power of music engagement. And to do that, I'm joined from Edinburgh by Diana Kerr. Diana Kerr has done much research in dementia, including an intellectual disability, but most recently, her publications and focus has been on the importance of music and music groups for older people and people with dementia. Now, I have to declare that you will sense a familiarity between the two of us because we've known each other for 30 years. After nursing, I actually studied social work with Diana. And in fact, she had to fight for three days of content focusing on dementia. Now, 30 years ago, that was actually rather radical. But it is ridiculous to think that our citizens with dementia, even today, do not have people coming out from their training with adequate understanding of their needs. So even though that was 30 years ago, I still hear it as an issue that we have to fight for that content to be core and focused on. But I guess where I want to start the conversation on music is the fact that it's for everybody. It's very easy to start talking about music for people with dementia instead of talking about people and their love of music. Of course, Diana is one of those people. As you'll hear, her story and passion for music comes from a love of it herself. When I went to her house as a student of social work, I saw a piano and many other musical instruments, which told me the story of somebody with a lifelong love of music. Hello, Diana. It's great to have you with us. So that passion for music, it's clearly been lifelong. I suppose... I've always had music in my life since I was about four and I was sent to piano lessons. In fact, my grandmother um, said that there were three things you had to think about in life when you had children. First of all, you put your children first. Secondly, you fed them well. And thirdly, you gave them all music. And if you did all those things, you would, <laughs> they, we would have a wonderful world to live in. Um, so yes, music has been central to my life. So Dana, to my first point, which is... We're obviously going to talk about music because I know it's firstly a passion, but secondly, you've written books and researched the importance of music for everybody. So is it a little bit ridiculous to be talking about music in the context of dementia? Well, no, it's not ridiculous. It's very, very important that we do that. I think what is important, though, is that we don't see providing music for people living with dementia as something different or some something almost like a therapy it is therapeutic but it's therapeutic for all of us to listen to music music is just what we do there's very very few people in the world who don't enjoy music even people who say they're not very musical <laughs> enjoy music listening to it mm -hmm. so yes yeah, so the idea that there's a bit of a sort of thing you know suddenly people have discovered music is good for people with dementia well anybody who's known somebody with dementia knows that anyway because we've all seen people with dementia light up as soon as the music comes on just as the rest of us do so it's not just something that comes about with dementia we have music in us from the very beginning you know mm -hmm. when we're born one of the things the baby has is a response to a rhythm you know the heartbeat is the one thing it's heard which is why when mothers pick up their baby we tap their back um, and mm -hmm. we hum to them and we hope the baby will calm down and go to sleep and it's the last thing to go or one of the last things to go when somebody has dementia so yeah so it is important to talk about music in relation using music with people with dementia but i think it's very important not to see it as 
something different from the rest of us. You know, Mm -hmm. all what we are doing is playing to people's strengths. So in a way, it is important because we need to emphasize maybe a lot of other things we try and get people with dementia to do aren't the best thing, or maybe they work for a while, but the music lasts all the time, right to the very end. So yeah, it's very important to talk about it and promote it. And promoted, absolutely. And I think one of the things we'll also be doing is promoting some of your work and links in the podcast at the end. But I guess one of the things will be interesting, is there any science behind the benefit of music for people with dementia? Yeah. Gosh, how long have we got? I'll make this very short because otherwise it will be boring. <laughs> There's lots of research. And I think one of the things that I get slightly irritated by, but that maybe is a reflection of my age, is that suddenly it's become the thing. You know, in 2020 or 2019 or whatever, the last few years, was actually there's research going back to the 1980s, early 1990s, which show very clearly how music affects people with dementia. There's research which shows, for example, that if you play the right music at mealtimes, people with dementia will eat more. And given mm-hmm. that people with dementia have such difficulty eating, why don't we do it? There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's research which shows um, that it um, re- reduces people's agitation. Well, you know, why give someone a pill if you could play them some Mozart or or you could sing with them? There's research which shows it increased people's reality orientation, if whatever, you know, their their ability to, 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 to remember where they are and what they're doing. There's masses of research which shows the benefits. It shows how people will start to communicate. They start to use language that they haven't been using, that they will start to engage with other people. You know, it's all there and... I think it's a bit irritating sometimes to think <laughs> that it's taken so long for people to go, oh, my God, the information's there. However, thank God. And in a way, things like YouTube have managed to do that. They've they've mm-hmm. put it out there. I think one yeah. of the problems, and you'll know this is a bit of a bugbear of mine, that very often what you call the science, the research, can get stuck in the field of academia. And mm-hmm. I think one of the problems has been that there's been all this research, but it hasn't been getting out to people who are actually living, working, supporting people with dementia. And at last that's happening. And I was listening to the Charge of the Light Brigade the other day because somebody else had it on and it was winding me up. I was finding myself <laughs> <laughs> well, getting Well, of it. course... That is so important, isn't it, that one of the things we know we can do with music, and it's one of the things that I've talked about for years, is we can use music to do that, to calm people down or to Mm -hmm. liven people up. So given that people with dementia are very often very agitated and distressed, and a lot of the behaviours that we call challenging um, or experiences challenging are actually from feeling threatened or distressed, if music can do something about them, why don't we? So why don't we, for example, if somebody is agitated or distressed, why don't we, or noisy, why don't we use music? There's research which shows that if you, for example, play the right music, you can reduce people's agitation. Mm -hmm. However, what is really important in that is that you don't, if somebody's feeling really agitated and noisy, play some agitated, noisy music 
you know, be where they are with the music and then change the music, bring it down mm-hmm. and down and down. I mean, you can imagine if you were really wound up, if somebody started to play some very lyrical music, it'd probably annoy you. And the other way around, you know, if somebody's down and depressed and fed up, play some music where they are and then gradually increase the tempo and the noise and the rhythm or whatever, and people's mood will be lifted. It's not very difficult. Uh-huh. It's not very difficult, but I suppose I can even think to a time when I was a student doing the MSc and I gave you the example of a tip I'd always played uh, with uh, people who in the home I was helping manage called Songs That Won the War, until the day this particular new residence, who was a Londoner, was under the table. And we were going, what the heck? But I'd never realised there was a siren at the start or before we went into wheel meet again or whatever came next. Uh, so again, as you say, you probably need to know the individual and what's important. Mm-hmm. Have you any experiences of tailoring the music and making sure it's actually right for the person? Absolutely. And in fact, that example you've given is is not... Well, I was going to say it's not uncommon. It's, it is becoming more and more uncommon now because of time. But certainly in the past, I have had people who have been distressed by m- music. Either, as you say, it maybe reminds them of something like the Blitz or just music that is about some sad time. I mean, we can all be reduced to tears with music that, mm. that triggers sad memories or whatever. And I think one of the issues is when we're using music with people with dementia is we need to know something about them and where they they are you know it's interesting because you've just triggered a memory for me when you and I were doing night shift research and I remember either you or I I can't remember which one of it could see this uh, woman's hand tapping to the beat of the music and I could just see it from behind uh, where I was observing what was happening as people were taken to bed as we experienced in our observation of the research and just suddenly the staff member changed the music to something she wanted to listen to and I remember the distress of the her hand just dropping on yeah. the chair and it's just yes. was just so sad because again that's the other thing probably here is who's the music for it's not for the staff yeah. it is yeah, yeah. for the people we're there to support um certainly i think one of the issues is about how you choose the music and who chooses the music and one of the problems of course is that the people who are doing the caring in homes and and even at at home um, often if they're caring for a, a a parent have got a different set of music in their head and it's about mm-hmm. finding out what what music the person with dementia wants to listen to and not just having um, music that um, you want to listen to. And we mustn't make assumptions like they're old so they're like war music, you know, or yeah. whatever. Although, of course, people will like music of that era. Yeah, so we have to think about who the music's for. Yes, and we also have to think about clearing the airwaves because the other thing you go in is that the radio might be on in there, the TV might be playing music somewhere else and somebody else. So multiple sources, are, it can also be very challenging. So mm-hmm, thinking mm-hmm. about being intentional. Very, very important that the music is for that person and that is the music that they hear, whether they're using it um, as a on an, a, an iPod or an MP3 player or whether it's a singing group or whether they're just singing on their own with somebody else, that actually there aren't these other noises. Because, of course, the problem is for people with dementia is that they they can't differentiate. You know, if you and I will often, we can be in a room and the telly can be on and we could be talking, but we can't hear the telly because we, 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 our brain is blocked 
blotting it out. And of course, for someone with dementia, they can't do that. So we've got to be very careful when we're playing music or using music to think, what music is this person actually hearing? Can they hear the vacuum cleaner next door or the staff calling to each other or um, somebody singing in the kitchen? Do you know? What is it that they, what are they going to concentrate on? Yeah. And uh, it has a role in reminiscence. Um, can you give us a sense of some of the times oh, yeah. you've seen it used well? I, yeah. I mean, the thing about music is, of course, well, come on, everybody listening to this reminisces with music. Everybody goes, oh, do you remember that? And it can p- pull up all sorts of feelings and whatever. In fact, I just had a recent, uh, one of my dearest and best friends has just died. And one of the pieces of music I can remember us playing actually a whole group of us when we used to go to France was Indiana Wants Me and it's not a piece of music I would normally listen to but it was on the radio the other day and it reduced me to tears mm-hmm. I, the music pulls you back I was back in France um, whatever and that will happen as well um, of course with people with dementia as, but particularly since they are going back anyway they're going back into that period of their life and that's what they where they're probably feeling quite comfortable and it is much, much harder for them. Um, I spoke, Do you want me to tell you a story? You can tell me as many as you want. Right, well, I'm going to tell you a story which is exactly about that. It was, a, it was in this care home and there were these three women, Margaret, Janet and Pauline, and they would sit in the sitting room every day. However, they said very little to each other or indeed anybody else. Uh, Janet was particularly withdrawn and Margaret was constantly saying she wanted to go home, which we'll all be familiar with. They also actually showed an element of annoyance or even jealousy if somebody went to talk to one of them. Do you know, they'd be mm-hmm. there, but but <laughs> and they obviously wanted to be together, but they didn't want any one of them to have more attention than the other. Anyway, one day... Um, I can't remember how it happened. We started playing some Glenn Miller. And the first piece we played was In the Mood. We then played Moonlight Serenade, followed by Tuxedo Junction. And by the time we got to Chattanooga Choo Choo, all three women were singing along, smiling. Margaret then started to tell this story about going to dances in the war. She then reminisced about her time as an ambulance driver. I mean, this was powerful stuff we'd never heard before. Mm-hmm. And because she had started speaking, Pauline started, and she started to reminisce about her experiences of dances as well and the Blitz in London. And it was like the floodgates open. Dances, boyfriends, clothes, all sorts of stuff came out. And actually it was a history lesson, and they were in their element. And these memories were so, so vivid. And some of them were sad, but these women came alive and we saw them in a very different way. There was, they were laughing. They were talking to each other. Now, they had sat there for months not communicating. And the wow. music, finding the right music, had just triggered this amazing communication between them and joy. That's the most important thing is they were so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm interested in when people start thinking, right, I've listened to you, is that what are we going to do? Is it expensive? You know, do we have to get lots of equipment and buy iPods and all these sort of things? I don't think you can buy an iPod anymore, but, uh, no. you know, do... It depends who we're talking about, doesn't it? If, if I mean, whether people are in a care home, I think what the most difficult 
thing is actually for carers, people who are at home caring for their husband or their wife. Very often older people won't have, I mean, there's a myth that everybody's got a computer. You know, there's all sorts of assumptions people make that people mm-hmm. have got a computer or they might have the computer, but unless their grandkids can come round and sort it out, I have to say I, my 10-year-old grandkids sort everything out for me. Yeah, I think... It depends what sort of music we're talking about. If we're mm-hmm. talking about using music, just playing records, and obviously, or discs, people will often still have records, by the way, or mm-hmm. discs or whatever, then people will already have the equipment. One of the ways that many people will have heard of of, of bringing music to people with dementia is by using I, you know, playlists for life, using mm-hmm. iPods or MP3 players or whatever. And the idea behind that is that what you do is you identify the music that's important to that person and you put it together like a compilation and then they've always got that music to listen to. Now, there's issues in there, which we could probably come back to in a bit if you want to ask me later on. But Mm. one of the issues there is, of course, that many people many partners or whatever, either don't have the time or they don't know how to load things onto an iPlayer or an MP3 player or whatever. Um, And there is, just in passing, a wonderful organization called Purple Angel. Purple Angel. (laughs) It's Purple Angel. Purple Angel. Um, And I think, actually, you'll be able to make a link to this, but um, Mm -hmm. Norman McNamara, who runs it, it's it's an amazing thing. If you contact him and if you have the link from this iPod, people can do that. Although it's in Britain, people can do it from anywhere. And he will, if you tell him what music the person likes, he will load it onto an MP3 player and he will send it to you. You get the player and you get the mix. The issues in that are, of course, that... And I think it's, it is good. It's very good. It does work very well. But it's not necessarily the playlist you want for life. Right. So, you know, if you think about it, if I was to ask you today to tell me the pieces of music you would like, give me 20 pieces of music you like, you could give me them. But if in about a month's time, you know, and the sun's out, every, well, the sun's out there where you are in Australia. I'm in Edinburgh. If the sun, if the sun was out, I have a different feeling and I might choose different music. So mm-hmm. I think it's quite important that we don't just make up these playlists for life and think that's it. Do you know? Yeah. Um, we need to keep adjusting them. And we also need to make sure that we don't just, which I have seen and I've heard reported, simply, if you like, plug people in and then leave them to listen to their music. Now, a lot of people will want to sit and listen to their music quietly. Yes. But not all the time. And particularly if they've got dementia, they probably would rather have a bit of company. No, I, I believe you've got some advice on maybe what's a sensible period of time to um, uh, so listen to music. Yeah, yeah. Well, what the research shows <laughs> is that really about 20 minutes, and actually, you see, the trouble with, the thing is, people with dementia are just like you and me, and you and I will disagree on lots of things. Um, we are different. And mm-hmm. so one day you might want to listen to music, you might listen to music for an hour. Another day you might only want 10 minutes and then want to do something else. But what the research does show is that generally after about 20 minutes, think about turning the music off. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just becomes background music. I think I've told you this story before, but I can remember I did some training with some managers of, a, of care homes. Mm-hmm. And I was going to train the managers and then train the staff. And during the training, I had talked to them about the importance of using music. 
and that they really, you know, the usual thing, you know, you must use music, use it as much as you can. Anyway, about a month or so later, I was training the staff and one group of them came up to me and they said, look, before you start, we just have to ask you, did you say that you put music on and you leave it on all the time? And I went, no, I didn't say that. But what I'd forgotten to say was actually <laughs> you turn it off after about 20 minutes. And the staff said, we're crawling up the wall. It goes on and it becomes just <laughs> this awful loop of music. So, yeah. yes, you've got to think, it's, you've got to think how long is it reasonable watch the person when do do they look like they're becoming a bit agitated or bored so yes about 20 minutes although some research suggests longer than that and that's what you've got to measure and i think you mustn't have these hard and fast rules do you know but just an indication after 20 minutes think about whether the person wants to and I think it is important to say that that is solid research and, and as you've said it also shows that people are most, much less likely to pace but more walk um, yeah. more, less voc repeated vocalization so there's really solid um, evidence that these things are important you've talked about playlists uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the um, pros and cons or learnings about you know so got to be careful that these playlists and we absolutely will put norman's uh, purple angels link because i know he is thinking about how he helps other countries yeah. as he has been the uk but so we don't want them to become set pieces that nobody reviews again any other issues about playlists well i think just that the the recognition that um people's tastes change. And also, of course, because of the nature of dementia, people are going back in their lives. So it may be that music that they, you know, they, they really enjoy music of the 60s. Um, and then after a while, because that they, they go back beyond the 60s, they'll want to listen to music of the 50s or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's one way of, of course, most music goes across decades or across our lives. But music that's important to us has probably been across our lives. But it's important to think about that, that music might, uh, that at one point might be important, might not be later on uh, or, or a while later. And also, as I said earlier, no, we mustn't just plug people in and leave them. Mm -hmm. I know a friend of mine, her mother had a, had a playlist. It was uh, lovely music. And she used to take it, she used to take the earphones off if she saw her daughter move. She thought her daughter was going to leave her and she right. wanted her daughter beside her all the time. And I think it's really important that we don't think necessarily that we can just leave people. I, I did hear of a home where they had a, a plug-in playlist hour, which, well, anyway, I hope it's the only home. You know, everybody was plugged in and left to their music um, staring at each other. So personalising rather than group activity. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, honest. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, obviously everybody's music. One of the difficulties, of course, with making up the playlist is finding out what it is that people really want to listen to. I mean, if you think about it, who is it who's making the decisions about that? I mean, if it's someone, a mother, and if it's a daughter, does she know which music her mother really likes? Does she know the music that was important to her mother when her mother was young? I mean, one of the things we know about music is the music that often resonates strong, most strongly with us and that we hang on to longest is the music from our teens. For mm -hmm. obvious reasons, I suppose, it's when we're highly emotional or whatever. So music for our late teens, early 20s. So yes, it's about looking up and seeing what that music is and what music the person would have liked. And certainly a friend of mine, actually I say a friend of mine, she's now a friend, is somebody I met at a party and was asking me what I did for a living and was 
telling her about the music because I tell everybody because I want them to do it. And she told me this amazing story about her mother and how the playlist had completely changed her mother um, from being somebody who sat, who was agitated, who wouldn't go to meet other people in the home. And she realized that she could use a, make up a playlist. She'd heard about Sally Magnuson's work and um, she made up a playlist for her mother. And she did that by going through her mother's records uh, and CDs and trying to remember. She tried to remember songs that she'd heard her mother sing the first few lines of and thought she obviously didn't know the rest, but she could remember her singing those. And she made up this complete playlist for her. But and what she also did, which I think was brilliant was she used a, a split earpiece so she sat with her mother and they listened to the music together which I think was lovely um mm. you know and uh yeah so yeah I think you need to think about it it's not just a matter of banging stuff on something and then sitting somebody down to listen to it absolutely Diana it's so important to be invested and plan but this is a perfect point to pause Diana, thank you so much for joining us in part one. And thank you to everybody for listening to the first episode of Music Engagement. Diana will join us again shortly to talk about singing groups and choirs for those with dementia. In our show notes, we've provided the links to the fantastic resources mentioned in this episode if you wish to engage and find out more about them. We love that you join us on the Dementia Podcast. Whether you're a person living with dementia, a carer or a professional worker, We'd love to hear your feedback and your ideas on future series that we should cover. To give us this feedback, please email us on hello at dementiacentre.com. Finally, thank you to Hammond Care Publishing for supporting this podcast. And of course, to the Dementia Centre podcast team for all the hard work and research. Thank you so much for listening and we look forward to you joining us in part two of Music Engagement. Bye for now.